Welcome to the Black Doctor Collective Podcast. We as Black doctors are in a unique position. We can change our communities, healthcare, and the world. Of course, we start by changing the way we see and value ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Shanika Horn, pediatrician and physician coach, travel extraordinaire. I am so happy to have you here and listening. So let's get into it. Hey, how are you guys? We are going to talk about saying no on this episode. And the reason I love this topic is because most people have a hard time saying it. Most people have a hard time saying no. And that's something you got to work through with coaching and therapy. The reason why, because the reason why is the thing that's going to stop you from saying it every time. As I was preparing for this episode, I was reviewing conversations that I've been having with coaching clients, with people on Facebook, all doctors. And the thing that stands out to me is how many of you are completely avoidant when it comes to saying no. It has you saying yes and maybe to all kinds of things you should not be. I always say that the motivation for why you do a certain thing is the emotion behind it. I mean, I don't just say it. My coach says that, she's taught me that. Um, Other people who do mindset work, we all know that the reason you avoid a particular action is because of a feeling that you're trying to avoid. This week I had a conversation with a doctor about her potential goals and we were talking about her career progression because a lot of what I do is focused around career coaching, about around how you show up in your job and how you make more money, of course. I was talking to her and asking her questions and she was talking about climbing the academic ladder. So many people want that, going from faculty to maybe program director to maybe chair of the department or some other administrative position. So many people are interested in that succession path. I think because it's clearly laid out for them and people do not like to feel uncertain. They love to do things that are obvious, that they know what they're getting into. Well, do you ever really know what you're getting into in medicine? I Probably not. But <laughs> that they at least have an idea of what they're aiming for. So... She was talking about this in terms of being a black lead in a way that would mean increased recruitment to her department, both in residence and probably in faculty. Um, Basically, this concept of being at the table allows you to also create space for others. As we went through the conversation, she talked a lot about other doctors, what other doctors had done for her. The job that she had and how she got there was because someone threw her hat in the ring. Her promotionary pathway was because it had been suggested by higher ups, people she considered mentors or leaders in the field, people who she had a great respect for. First of all, I would love to say that the concept of others speaking your name in rooms you're not in is so beautiful. 
And that's why I love working with black physicians. And probably what the motivation for this physician is, is that concept of people spoke on her behalf and she would love to be in a place to speak on others' behalf. That way that we continue to build this beautiful, diverse community in medicine. However, you cannot allow other people to determine your path. So the fact that someone suggested something for you or because there is a promotionary ladder that looks a particular way doesn't mean you have to follow it. And it is a great honor to have someone speak for you. But if you never told them what it is you wanted, then how are they speaking for you in a way that's gonna improve your life or really gonna get you to where you want to be? Because that requires you to be honest with yourself that maybe you don't wanna climb the academic ladder. And then that would, for some people, cause a lot of discomfort because they know how many people are, are rooting for them in that particular way. But I don't think that's helpful. So of course, throughout this conversation I had with this doctor, she talked about how she got to where she was and why she wanted to move forward doing this other stuff. And then it was re- revealed, lo and behold, she doesn't actually want to sit at the table. She wants to use it as a launch pad really to do other outreach or motivational talks or doing things that would empower other doctors, um, other maybe trainees, but she doesn't actually want to be in the academic room, right? Nor does she feel comfortable speaking up for herself. So I always say this point that if you don't feel comfortable speaking up for yourself, you can't speak up for other people. And this is why I say that with confidence, because if you're speaking up for yourself, then it is clear what you want as people suggest you for things and you're able to to say yay or nay and you end up in roles where you really feel like that's the role for you, that's your purpose, you're going to do an amazing job and it's going to be very easy for you to also bring others along with you. Howsoever, if you feel like the only reason you got to a particular position is because someone said your name and put your name in the hat, but it's not really what you want and you're not even sure that you should be there, how much more difficult is it going to be for you to bring anybody else along into that space when you don't even feel like you need to be there? So this particular doc really wants to do something different, but what she really wants to do, she's put so far on the back burner that she in her mind can't even see it coming to fruition for years and years. She's not alone. I spoke to another doc who is concerned about having enough time. And this is specifically enough time for studying. Studying is a tenant of your medical career, right? However, she is volunteering for all the things and therefore creating a busy schedule. She doesn't know how to say no to not doing the extra project or joining the extra committee. And so her schedule is being filled. Therefore, she will not have enough time to study. So she's creating the very scenario that she's trying to avoid because she's not able to say no. And why would she do that, you ask? Because of imposter syndrome. 
because of lack of confidence. I know for me, I find a lot of, and I'll probably talk about this later, but I, I know for me, I find a lot of value in doing things for others, right? Like proving myself through acts of service. And so I identified that within her as well. The idea of, I'm not sure I deserve to be here. So let me be the most accommodating team player contributor so that people can continue to see my value and be like, oh, well, she's doing this and she's doing that. And and that's how I get spoken about and therefore builds my confidence. And the more I hear that, the more I feel like I need to be there, except it's counterproductive to what the actual goal is. And that's where it becomes problematic. Both of these scenarios, the docs have a problem saying no. They are not saying no. And they are preventing themselves from getting to the end result that they actually want. One wants to be a speaker and one wants to pass her exams. This is totally normal. I really want to emphasize that it's totally normal. We all have this. We all do things that we all commit to things that we shouldn't commit to. We all do things in service of others because it makes us feel good or it makes us feel valued or it makes us feel needed. It cements our place in a community. Oh, it's thundering outside. Hope you guys can't hear that. Or if you can, just pretend it's ambiance. Um, so I do not want, if you're hearing this and you relate to it, that you're judging yourself. This is a normal thought process. A lot of us do it. I can talk to you about my reasons for why I sometimes do this. And this is definitely something I'm working on. But I often believe I best feel the most valued, like I said, by being in service to others. And what does that mean? It means that I constantly feel the need to prove that I'm valuable by doing for others, providing for others, supporting others in some way like being the good friend, the shoulder to cry on, the excellent employee. It's how I discovered I had a knack for coaching, actually. So many other providers, no matter what setting I was in, would come to me for advice, would want to talk to me about their scenarios. They would ask me what they should say or how they should respond to a particular situation that was uncomfortable because they really wanted to say the right thing. They wanted to be armed in the right way. And I would both help them prepare for whatever the scenario is, but we would also do some examination, right? Why do you feel this way? It's okay to proceed in the way that you want because everyone's really just looking for permission to do the thing that they really want to do. They're just afraid. No one ever wants to get ostracized. That's like the survival tactic of your brain. You want to be communal. You want to fit in. You want to be valued by other people. It is literally our primitive survival mechanism. So that's why I say it's normal. That's how I discovered I was a coach, could be a coach, was a good coach, was because I was constantly providing advice and support to other people in a way that they were getting the results that they wanted to get. And I was thinking, huh, this could be a thing. And so this concept of being in service to others sounds so good in my head because I'm doing good deeds and it sounds so good when I say it, right? It sounds good when I think about it. I feel good. 
Who doesn't want to be the kind of person that does kind things for others and is praised for their behaviors and is not ruffling any feathers or causing stress and maybe is easing the burden of others? That person is not the problem in any scenario. That person is the problem solver, the rescuer. And that sounds so good. This is all a trauma response. (laughs) I personally... I think somewhere way back, I got ingrained that I didn't want to be the difficult person. I never wanted to be the angry black woman. All of this is troped in, it's based based on fallacy and supremacy, but it exists all the same. And whether or not you know why you do it, or if you're ready to unlearn the reasons, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. But I think to at least acknowledge at baseline that that's something that affects the way I think and move in the world has given me a lot of power. Okay, Thunder. Thunder's giving me the claps. It's supporting what I'm saying. Um, This, however, keeps me from getting to where I need to go, from having the kind of relationships I need to have to propel me forward, from living my best life, my soft life. This is literally the definition of hustling backwards, doing things that do not contribute to the progression of my life or that keep me so busy that I am unable to do the things that help to progress my life. Because I can get stuck in doing things for accolades, for recognition. I love external praise. Think about when you were in med school or residency and you got pimped and you got it right and people gave you kudos, congratulations. That acknowledgement that you got it right was so good. Think about the high you get when when you think about how you matched or when you passed an exam. There's so many external triggers that make us feel really good about what we're doing, that praise, that recognition that, oh, I am successful. I did the thing. Think about how good it feels when you do a good deed for others. It's why community service is a thing. It's why volunteer work is a thing. Think about how many programs there are for volunteer work internationally. It's because people go and they come back feeling like I did an amazing thing. Whether or not that project was actually sustainable and, you know, actually helpful to the country, eh, debatable. But how you feel is not debatable. It's it's got you feeling good and kind and magnanimous, right? It, got, it makes you feel like you're a credit to humankind. Anytime you can do an action that impacts the moods of others, whether it's making something easier for someone else, it feels amazing. I'm that person that cleans the house before the housekeeper comes or When I'm in a hotel and we have housekeeping, I'll tell them, oh, just clean and I'll give them the the least amount of things I need done. I don't want them to clean the whole room. It just seems like a lot. Never mind that it's literally the role that they're fulfilling, right? I don't want to make anyone's job more difficult. I love to feel like I'm contributing to their ease. I'm that person that believes in leaving places better than I found them. And sometimes that has me doing things that I don't have no business doing. Like why I'm tidying up something or putting things back in the store. (laughs) I'm that person that will redo a grocery shelf like in passing. Like, oh, let me just 
shift that back or put things exactly back where I found them. Um, I'm definitely also captain do it all myself, except it doesn't actually make my life better, easier, or more enjoyable. And those are things that I want for other people around me. And I need to make sure that I also want it for myself. When I give and give and give and pour and pour and pour, what does that leave for me? It leaves me exhausted. It leaves me depleted. And I'm not saying don't do some of these things. What I'm saying is that the types of kindness, the acts of kindness you are performing should fulfill you and definitely should not obstruct you. Okay, it should not come at a complete expense to you. I should not be doing things that come expense to me. If I'm this doctor that needs time, I cannot be dedicating my time to doing things that reduce my time and therefore won't allow me to meet my goal. When I do acts of kindness, I need to consider which ones are the most important. I can't just be doing stuff just to do stuff, right? Which ones are helping others, but also helping me live my value-based life? Which ones are sustainable? Because I have learned the hard way not to start habits that I cannot maintain and which completely contradict with the goals that I have. If I want more time to do something specific, I should not be agreeing to things that don't contribute to giving me more time to executing that goal. People have a hard time saying no. But saying yes, or even maybe to things because you feel guilty, creates the exact result that you do not want. The exact result. It is literally a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can have everything you want in your life, but you cannot have everything at the same time. That is one concept that I have heard and I recognize to be true. If you want a particular outcome, you have to focus on that outcome. You cannot be doing 50, 11 things that do not contribute to the outcome or will not allow you to take the steps to get there. So this is the problem with all of us, with doctors, with medicine, you cannot be the best doctor that you can be if you're doing everyone else's job. You're doing the nurse's job, the admin's job. You figure it's easier to do it myself, but then you spend all your time doing the things that they should be doing and you're behind on charting and now you got to take charting home and now your job sucks because now you're working at home and you're tired and you're stressed out and you don't get to enjoy your family and there is no work-life balance, right? These are all the same cyclical path. The concept of doing too much, right? So I've now taken the approach of saying no and then I upgrade it to the no and. I have an entire episode on saying no and. You should listen to that if you have not or if you haven't heard it in a while. I think it's a good enough one for you to go back The benefits to saying no and are several. Because when you say no, you're upholding what's important to you. And when you say no and, you're offering an alternative and and expressing your needs. It gives the other person something to focus on, like a metric to meet. 
In the case of, let's say, a negotiation, they can understand your need better and respond with this new information. They know where to meet you, how to match your demand, whatever it is. If you decide, I would like, this happens all the time with locums, I should say. They will say, oh, well, we would love for you to work five days a week. I say, no, I don't work five days a week because I have an entire business. I run this podcast. I have things that I want to do. I want to also enjoy my life. I don't work five days a week. So if they offer me a position that's like a five-day work week, I'll say no, but I am open to positions that are maybe three, max four days a week. I try to really do three. Right now I'm doing two, which is like even better. Um, But then they can find the job that fits for me or that job that is recruiting will say, okay, we'll take four days or we'll take three days. We're happy to take what you have to offer. So you can get closer to your goals because my goal is to work clinically to support the building of my business and my, my coaching practice. Of course, also clinical environments give me fodder for talking to you guys on the podcast and talking on Instagram. There's just, it's just ripe with content. But (laughs) besides that, I don't want to dedicate five days a week to working clinically when my end goal is to formulate this escape plan that does not require me to trade my time for money every day. I would like to live the kind of life that I have what they call passive income. I mean, passive income is not truly passive, but it means that there's not a direct correlation between time and money. I do not have to physically go to someplace and get paid by the hour or get paid for the number of shifts I work or have meet a certain requirement in terms of FTEs or whatever. Passive income to me is like real estate ventures and other things. I would love to eventually move towards the life where like whatever I'm doing, even if I am trading time for money, that's not my primary source of income. So how beneficial is it for me to agree to jobs where I spend all my day at work and I don't get to build out the other parts of my income chain, like my other sources of money? It's not beneficial to me. So I have to learn how to say no and. Every time you say no, you get closer to the picture of what you want. This, of course, is easier if you actually have a picture of what you want. Last week's episode, we talked a little bit about creating that picture. I have a really good episode on uh, creating your dream life and picking up all the things that you could possibly want to do and then narrowing it down to what you can achieve or what you want to achieve the most. That one's a great one. But... I have another one for you this week. I was listening to um, Ramit Sethi. He's the guy who's on the Netflix special, like something about living your rich life. He's a financial, um, I guess, advisor. I'm not exactly sure what his exact title is, but he helps people with their money traumas and their debts in order to live their rich life. And he was on the Mel Robbins podcast. Mel Robbins, if you don't know her, is a life coach, motivational speaker. And they were discussing his program, I guess, if you will, and how he gets people started. Because no one wants to talk about money. And I'm sure most of y'all don't want to talk about 
negotiation because everyone has a lot of like mental drama around it. So money is not necessarily fun topic. People tend to run from money. It's an uncomfortable topic, especially if, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck or you have debt or something else that you feel is shameful or bad, then you avoid those topics. So he starts off with a visualization. And I thought it was just so well done because he makes it fun. (laughs) He makes it fun. The question he asks was, what do I love to spend money on? I had to think about that. Like, what's something that I genuinely enjoy spending money on? Not bills. I don't enjoy spending money on bills or tickets, traffic tickets. I don't really get traffic tickets. I get speeding tickets. Um, Judgment-free zone, okay? Y'all don't message me about this. Um, But there are things that I do enjoy spending money on, like travel. I love spending money on business class, really nice hotels, good meals, like really good meals on a trip or some kind of experience where I get to go and do something exciting like zip lining or scuba diving or something I've never done before, uh, seeing some kind of wildlife. All those things, I would love to spend money on those things. Those feel decadent and luxurious, right? A good spa treatment. I went to Hawaii last year, January 2021 with my boyfriend and we stayed in an Airbnb, but I booked us a couple's massage at the Four Seasons Maui, which is like a beautiful dream location. And one day when I have the income, that's definitely one of the places I would go back and actually stay at. Um, Their spa overlooks the ocean. Even the room that we got the massage in opens to the ocean. I mean, just like the dream. Do you think I mind spending money on that? Absolutely not. It feels amazing. Okay. So the next question is if you could four times your spending on the thing that you love, what would you do? So I really want you guys to A, think about what is one thing you love to spend on, right? One thing that you want to be part of your life, one thing that you have a clear picture of. And then what would you do if you had four times the budget on that thing? So for me, I'm like, I would fly business class everywhere. I'd be on a lot of trips. I would eat out of great places. I would be able to shop for beautiful art in all these countries. I would just be living my best life traveling, right? This is something that I love to do. It's I love the cultural experience. I love trying new foods. I just love seeing life in all its possibilities because it gives me ideas on how I could be living my life even better. When you get to go to these countries and you see how much better they do things than ghetto America. Um, (laughs) Or you go to different regions of the country and you just see how different life can be and you get to pick and choose which of those elements you want to incorporate into your life. All of it's just this beautiful mind-opening experience. And I would love to spend money on that and I would do it a lot more if I had four times the budget right? So then he asks, if you could 10 times it, what would you want to spend on? And I'm like, 10 times, 10 times my travel budget? I would be taking all of my family and friends on these trips. I would allow them to fly business class and experience that luxury, the culture, 
just the new places and watch them get to to have that experience some of whom would be experiencing it for the first time and their excitement and delight would give me excitement and delight and just the opportunity to feed and care for people in that way would be amazing amazing and so because that is the primary thing that i love to spend money on that should be one of my values right I want to be able to get to a place where I can afford to take people on vacation, to travel the world with people that I love, to get to experience cultures, to have art and beautiful things from a variety of places. That's just me. That's what I would love to do. It's what I love to spend money on. Imagine sending trips of kids on a on a trip out of the country where they've never been. Like if you had unlimited funds, the things for me immediately outwardly, the more money I have, the more I would look to be able to do things for others, to do more outward acts of service. Cause that joy from watching other people experience it also translates into my own joy. In order to live that kind of life though, that would require me to do things that build wealth and build income. And that means saying no to spending on certain things because I'm trying to use that money to invest in a certain way, to build a real estate portfolio, to build my coaching practice. You have to be picking and choosing. You have to be able to say no to things, right? It also means saying no to jobs that are not a good fit for me. Because being a good fit means that I have some flexibility in when I travel. If I love to travel and I take a job that only gives me a set four weeks of vacation every year and I have to determine super early when I take that vacation and I don't have any flexibility, does that contribute to my life of travel? It does not. So having the picture, I always love to do visualizations and really allowing yourself to dream. And I want it to be the kind of dream where you just think about all of the possibilities, not just, oh, but this, 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 and you come up with a meal and excuses why you shouldn't have that thing. That's not what I want. I don't want that kind of dreaming. I want full-fledged open dreaming okay so spend some time thinking through this exercise and if you are struggling this is one of the things i love to work on in coaching is helping you identify the underlying thoughts and feelings that are creating the results in your current life and what's stopping you from moving forward towards the life that you actually want everyone that works with me knows that I don't be believing y'all stories. Y'all, y'all be like, oh, I just want enough to, you know, take care of my kids. And okay, um, no, because if you had more, you would do more and you would even probably be a better person. You would be able to take care of more people. So I spend time in coaching, identifying your thought error. So this is a thought error. I just want enough. No, we're not going for enough. We're going for abundance because the way you show up abundantly is totally different than if you just have enough for you and yours. 
And I challenge those. I challenge those thought patterns. And then I point out all the things that you may not be able to see, good and bad, right? Things that you already have going for you and things that you need to stop doing. And that way I push you to grow, to make more money or to work in a way that doesn't exhaust you or to do things that allow you to feel good. And then we do that and we determine your dreams, your goals, and teach you the skills that you need to progress. That is my jam. Saying no is a major component of that. That's like the one thing that if you take nothing out of this podcast, if you never coach with me, please learn how to say no. (laughs) You can do this in any scenario. You can start practicing today. I think about this in like really easy, simple terms. So let's go through an example of how and when to use the wording of no and because it's applicable in so many areas. I got one off a Facebook group, one where the doctor asked if um, she should be offended by an offer, he or she. They got an offer and they were like, this is what it is. The pay is so low. Should I be offended? And I thought that was so interesting that there's so much emotion tied up in these decisions that instead of saying, well, how do I respond in a way that allows me to get what I want? They would rather spend time talking about whether or not they should take offense. That's such a waste of time. And that's not to say you're not going to feel offended, but you need to be like, okay, yeah, that offer was offensively low, but let me respond in a way that lets them know that either I'm not ever going to be the candidate for them, or if they have an opportunity to hire me at the rate that I would prefer, then that would be great. And they also get some information about what kind of rates doctors are requiring, right? It gives so much more exchange of information when you're doing this this way. Negotiations are neutral. Everyone wants to decide to be offended, but you and this other party are really just trying to find the conditions in which both of your needs are met. And the thing is seeing an offer as neutral allows you to respond from an entirely different place. Instead of spending all the time thinking, this is offensive, they don't value me, or else they wouldn't have offered this, or this is a problem in healthcare today right? Or "Mm -mm, I'm just going to say no, because no is a complete sentence and they will know not to offer me such nonsense again. They won't know. They won't know because they're not mind readers and you haven't provided them with any additional information on what you actually want or need. Your reply should say some version of, thank you so much for thinking of me. I always leave with gratitude. I think that that sets a nice tone for the email. You don't have to be overly gushy but hey thanks for the thanks for presenting me with this offer however i cannot accept if you have an offer that includes the rate of pay at and you put in your rate of pay then i would love to chat with you i could write a thousand of these scripts for y'all literally but you won't do it and you won't use it if you haven't tackled the first couple steps right the start of the program is determining your value, getting that picture in your mind of what you really want, and then also discovering what is your emotional motivation. What is the thing that propels you forward and what is the thing that keeps you from moving forward? This applies to everything. This is not limited to work. You can use this in any scenario. You have to be able to comfortably visualize and express your needs. You have to say no and. That's all I got for you this week. I hope that's helpful. I love hearing from you guys. I get feedback, sometimes indirectly, sometimes directly. But if you 
have a moment in the podcast that sticks out to you, please send me a Instagram message. I think some of the podcast platforms don't always allow for comments, but send me an Instagram message. I would love to hear from you. Or if you have a question about how to apply some of this stuff, or you want to ask a particular question that you want me to address on the podcast, feel free to do so. Of course, you can find me at The Black Doctor on Instagram. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And what I want you to do next is write a review. I'm going to make this so easy for you. Just go ahead and give me five stars, but also leave a comment that tells me how we can be off the charts. I want you to link us everywhere you can. Instagram at The Black Doctor, The Black Doctor website to join our newsletter. Just become part of our collective. I want you here. Thanks. Until next time. Bye.